You are listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. She was on the Oregon Trail of Youth Ministry. Yes. You're trying to call my grandma old? Well, she is your grandma after all. Well, uh, let's see here. Hey, hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of At Home, the Podcast with Walkie MC. Uh, we, we're, in, we're in for a real treat today, guys. Uh, today we have, uh, we're going to be, we've got our, our two youth pastors with us. So uh, to my right, Dustin Eby. Hi, Dustin. How's it going? To my left, Tyler Gehrig. Hi, hi, Tyler. Hi, hi. Um, so uh, I'll give you a better introduction than that in just a second. But we uh, today's episode, if the the long the long standing thing that I've been doing is coming up with overly long episode titles. So today's today's episode is not your grandma's youth ministry. Blessings. And as we were just discussing, mm-hmm. your grandma would have been youth, in youth ministry. As youth ministry was first being birthed, yes, the Oregon Trail the of youth ministry. Oregon Trail. You might. It's it's the kind of youth ministry where you might have die of dysentery. They, they probably were still handling snakes back then. <laughs> Could have been. Wow, I I hadn't considered that as an option. Uh, so hi everybody and welcome. Um, so what do we want to talk about today? Oh, youth ministry. That's right. Hey, um, so the whole idea of uh, this conversation, I think, and we're going to have several more moving forward is we want to talk to parents, to, to anybody that's engaging with young people. We want to talk about what, what we're seeing in youth ministry, what we've experienced in youth ministry, and try to give, I think, some, some perspective to what in, what in the world is going on with our young with our young people because there's a lot going on with them and there's been a lot of changes and I often think that the way we think about youth ministry uh, I mean which is how we'll start off today is you know thinking about our own personal experience with youth ministry and then we we tend to we tend to kind of um, what do we do? We kind of like cement our ideas about that experience in our minds. And we think like, Oh, this is the way it's done. Mm -hmm. And then I realized like practically for me, well, I was in youth ministry 20 years, like as a student, like over 20 years ago and surprise, surprise, like a lot, a lot changes over that period of time. So you're old. That's true. That's true. So, Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a deep, we're just gonna have a deeper discussion about it today, and it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be meaningful, it's gonna be intense, and uh, with any luck, uh, we'll come out on the other side better for it. I think, absolutely. Okay, so guys, let's just think. I want to start off by just thinking back to your guys' own youth ministry experience. So when you when you yourselves, um, were in youth ministry. What was meaningful to you about those experiences? What are the things that stick out in your mind as you think back that you would say were formative, were were helpful, where where you can see that like a significant impact was was made? And Tyler, I'll 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 start with with you. 
I mean, yeah. I, so I didn't join youth ministry until my my sophomore year of high school, and I just remember probably the biggest impact that I experienced was that I just really had adults who told me they cared about my spiritual life. That was kind of something that I just didn't really grow up with. That being a common discussion. So like having having those older voices like come in and say like, hey, I care about you. I want to talk about this with you just really meant a lot to me. And then on top of that, having friends that I could then talk about and process those things with was super meaningful. Yeah. Um, Dustin, what would what would you say to that question? Yeah, I'd, I'd bounce off that a little bit in, in the sense that I was invited to my first ever youth ministry activity or outing. Uh, when I was in seventh grade, and that was kind of what kick-started my not only interest in, in coming to church, but just youth ministry as a whole, and realizing that church didn't have to be what I always thought that it was, kind of this, as a as a kid, just this, this stuffy uh, learning just about do's and don'ts, but a place where you really could experience your your own faith with with your friends and growing that together. So that's, that's kind of how that got started. You know, and as you guys say those things, I think all of us as, as people who've been in youth ministry and who have done work with young people, um, like those experiences that you were having as the youth worker, you don't always know if that's happening within, within students. Right. And I, and I think just as a general encouragement to youth workers, uh, people volunteer, paid, whatever the circumstance might be, um, that so much of the work is unseen, unseen work, right? Like you, you as young people were trying to get, and I would be the same way. Like you were trying, you're trying to put words to what it is that you're experiencing, why the, why these things are meaningful, but they are in fact meaningful. Um, and that the fruit of those things is often not super obvious until later on down the, later on down the road. So, the the quote unquote gratification as a youth worker, you know, of seeing like God do transforming work in, in young people's lives is like well, that's farther down the road mm-hmm. for sure. Um, which is why it can be hard to stay stay encouraged in certain in certain seasons for sure. Because it's uh, well just adolescents are not good at saying, Hey, thank you for doing this thing. Right. It made this change in my life. Like they're not sure it, it's just not, it's not the forefront of their mind. Um, and, and again, I would be in the same uh, similar stream uh, to you guys. I, my youth ministry experience was different in that um, I, I didn't, I didn't connect to youth ministry in a, in a typical like local congregational way, but I was part of a youth ministry uh, retreat ministry where out of that retreat, um, sort of small group, small groups would form, and we would meet. I just remember a meeting at the home of uh, Joe and Sandy Hopkins with a bunch of other uh, high school students who were from all different schools around the area. Which was also, by the way, it was also that was a safer place for me because it was like none of these people went to my school, so. Like they weren't involved in the, you know, whatever the the school drama stuff. They were just experiencing me as as a as a peer, mm-hmm. and that was and that was it. Yeah. So didn't have any of the school politics stuff or whatever. Um, I that was I learned about accountability there, like healthy accountability there. I learned about like um, 
having, yeah, like having someone who is willing to get in my face about how I was, how I was living life or how, you know, was I taking things seriously? Was I taking my relationship with Jesus seriously? You know, that, that kind of thing. And I didn't, there were times where it's, it's strange. I was not always comfortable, but I always, like I went, like I always, I always went. And so I've just tried to even process that, that later in my life of like Hmm. this, there was spiritual formation happening there. It was not, I mean, we're essentially just meeting my, like the primary youth ministry experience that I had was in a small group of other high school students who the only time that I saw them was in that was in that context of that that small group, and we would do like large group meetings, and we'd break out guys and girls. Sometimes we'd sometimes we'd mix it. It'd be that's the other thing. I mean, it would be cross like cross gender, mm-hmm. so there would be that's risque. It's it's, it's that was something, um, but man, deeply like deeply meaningful. Mm-hmm. So I just but again, I just valued the. I hope people hear this. Like I just, I really did value the, uh, the input of adults mm-hmm. and those adults are, will go down and will go down in history for me as some of the most, uh, impactful people in my, in my faith journey. So, so we all had, I think, you know, significant and meaningful as students, meaningful experiences in youth ministry. And then, you you jokers here you decided to actually like like pursue like educationally pursue degrees in youth ministry so dustin you went to moody yes i did and was it a youth ministry specific or was it christian ministry broader christian ministry or did you get one of those youth men's certificates that mm, I yeah don't, whatever that was right yeah it was uh, it was youth ministry specific okay yeah yeah so your early years of youth ministry experience, like what did that, and I'm trying to, let's see, I should know this because I've looked over Dustin's resume and all of it like a while ago and I should have these all things in my mind, but like early youth ministry experience for you, what, what was that? Like being in it? Yeah. Or? Being in it. Like even as a student, even as a college mm-hmm. student, cause I know there was some, there were some things that you did like in your learning experience. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the decision really to even pursue youth ministry at all wasn't that hard for me because I, I enjoyed it so much being, being in youth ministry. And I just, I really, I mean, once I got serious about my faith, I really couldn't see myself doing anything else partially because I hadn't done anything else. So (laughs) I really don't know if I'm, I'm gifted at anything else at all, but that, that was just, it was an easy decision for me to at least start heading in that direction. And then Moody was a pretty was a pretty neat opportunity. A lot of my a lot of my friends and, and buddies at the time that were thinking about ministry as a career were headed to Iwoo or Bethel. Uh, but Moody became available as an option, and had always loved Chicago. And thinking about being there was was really appealing. So I ended up going to Moody, and the first couple years of of studying there was was pretty challenging because you meet a lot of quote unquote youth ministry all-stars if you will like from across the world really that are going there to study and you just realize how much you don't know and sure yeah how much there is to learn which which was intimidating but but also encouraging at the same time knowing that man I had so much to learn I I I had so much um so much room to grow uh but Moody really helped kind of form that in a couple different Internship opportunities I had uh, back here in the area was really good for me just as an intern level, being able to kind of get my foot in the door. 
And I, so I, when I was in youth group, I attended Napier Missionary, which is rather large, pretty well-known youth group church around this area. But my first intern experience was at a inner city church in Chicago with a total of eight kids. And uh, there was like six middle school and like two high school kids. And uh, so, yeah, everything I thought I knew, I realized I didn't yeah. <laughs> in that experience. And yeah. so that it taught me just how different youth ministry can look in different settings and different cultures. And so that was really important for me to be able to kind of get my head around what is youth ministry, not just here in this setting, but what is youth ministry in any setting? So Tyler, for you, um, I mean, Tyler's, uh, in in a lot of ways, Tyler has a, a, a closer to, I mean, an equal Tyler is, uh, for those of you who can't tell, uh, just by his, uh, what I would say, just very adult voice. Um, Tyler's a Tyler's a bit younger than, well, he's a considerable amount younger than me, and a little bit younger than Dustin. And yet, Tyler is you've you've had like you've had some considerable youth ministry experience before coming on in, in a variety of set in like a variety of settings. Yeah. Talk to me. Talk to me about call to youth ministry. Like what? What drew you? What drew you in? And then, what did some of those early kind of learning and training experiences look like? Yeah, so I, I knew I was called to youth ministry early on in my faith journey. Um, I was just given opportunities real early in my church setting to serve our youth group as it was. I think like week two after the after I was, I would say resaved. Um, <laughs> dangerous, dangerous language. We won't get into that. Some people just hit the stop button. They're like, that's it. <laughs> sure. We just, we just turned off the pause. Um, <laughs> when I came back to the church setting, my, my youth pastor, then he, uh, like week two of coming into the church, he was like, Hey, I want you to be a leader. I see that in you called that out in me. And just, I was like, you're a psychopath, you know? <laughs> and then if, as if I'm in youth knew. ministry, I'm yeah. like, Oh yeah, we all are. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just, given those opportunities to serve when I was still in high school was, was huge. And I just realized through that time that I was called to youth ministry. You know, I wanted to be an engineer up until then and then hit my junior year of high school. And I was like, nah, this is, this isn't where I'm going. This God's got me called. You're like, there's too much money over in engineering. Yeah. Too much money. I I can't handle it. I don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, if you know me now, like I'll tell you straight up, like I think one of the first conversations I had with Joel was I hate money. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think I had to fill out like a financial report for yeah. buying something. I was like, this is dumb like, <laughs> money, but no, like going to, so I went to Bethel then after, after high school, I took a gap year, spent time with my family, worked for my dad, uh, went to Bethel, studied in Christian ministries and just took on multiple internships. Uh, first was in at pathway in Fort Wayne, um, a youth group of about 200 kids, uh, so I got to experience that setting and just, that was kind of my first dip of like volunteering in youth ministry was that opportunity. It was kind of more like a plunge, you know, just straight into like, yeah, hey, really. yeah. you're, you're going to be taking over programming, uh, not just in charge of a small group, that kind of stuff. And that, I mean, it was great. I loved it from, from the get, like just being that leader in youth ministry. It was awesome. Amazing stuff. So, so, you know, and I look at my, and I look at myself like my, uh, my foray into youth ministry was because of the, um, I mean, one internship opportunities. So I was, you know, was, went to Bethel for 
uh, for Christian ministry, biblical studies, very intentionally not youth ministry program. And I'll, I'll just, I'll just say, and I don't, I don't, I'm not, this was, this is not an accurate depiction, but back in the day, it was, if you were serious about studying the Bible and doing real academic work, you did not go into a youth ministry major. Uh, and, and that is, that is a, again, that that's a that's just a perception. I don't think that was a reality. So for all of my my Bethel colleagues uh, <laughs> and co classmates and people who left the biblical studies major to go study youth ministry, I I respect you. I love you, and I I believe in your calling. So just <laughs> just not as much. Just, <laughs> uh, but and and bec- well because and I I just think back to like like. Youth ministry because at, at Bethel it's youth ministry and adolescent studies and so there there's a right. high like social science social science component and a high like practical like practical um, practical ministry element which is not always the case with with some other training programs when you're learning a lot of theory and you're also like you're obviously in biblical study and philosophy and things like that right so there's a particular kind of person. And I was probably one of those people at the time that was just like these, these, these youth ministry people, they, they don't take any of this seriously. And it's like, no, no, you took it very seriously. It was a strong program. Just the focus was different as it, as it should have been. Um, but coming out of coming out of a Christian ministry degree program. And then I just found myself in youth ministry because I was in um, first in, with an internship program at a, at a larger church with, had a, had a sizable youth ministry. Um, but it was just part of like, I was doing a rotation over all the overall departments. And so had, had that experience and ended up being uh, the young adult director there at that church for a while. Um, so I was getting, I was getting students fresh out of student ministry. And then, you know, and then I was in smaller church settings where it's like, if you're having an associate role, you are de facto, you know, you're like, you're going to be interacting with youth ministry. And so I had just all different kinds of experiences, uh, with it, uh, urban rural settings, um, some, some different sizes. And I just began to realize, especially cause I was doing a lot of young adult work, like started to realize like, okay, the students that are coming out of student ministry, like I just started noticing some things that we were missing and this would have been, um, you know, this would have been, uh, this is like what before I'm trying to think like, 2010, you know, 2010, 2011, where um, some research and studies were coming out about just within the evangelical world about what youth ministry was struggling with and things like that. And I just started seeing like, man, I, I want to make an impact in lives for the sake of the kingdom. And it seems as though, surprise, surprise, that a great impact can be made in student ministry. Like if we, if we can interact with young people where most of them are making decisions for faith, if they're going to make them, that's the age range. That seems to be where that's kind of ground zero and more attention could be given to that. So that's how I ended up even more intentionally. And then, you know, eventually like a full-time youth ministry uh, person Um, and found it to be really, really rewarding in so many ways. But there's also, um, there's also a ton of challenges and a lot of those challenges come now that cultural change is happening quicker and quicker, right? Like you guys have all felt that. Oh, totally. Yeah. And so that's another piece I just want to talk about. Um, it's kind of, a, first of all, I think it's just helpful to do a quick flyover history of youth ministry. So 
we look at the, the boomers, so post-World War II, all of a sudden all these kiddos are in church, and the people at the churches go, oh, we don't <laughs> what do we, what do, we do, do with these what do we do with these what do we do with these people? And so in the church, and I'm, I'm sorry to say, and this is there are some exceptions to this, but by and large, local congregations were slow to know what to do with young people. And so we emerged all these parachurch organizations, so we would know them today. Campus Crusade, you know, Campus Crusade, now known as Crew, because the term crusade has fallen out of <laughs> fallen out of favor. Right. It's not, doesn't have a great doesn't have a great rep. Yeah. And, <laughs> once you understand the historical implications. Yeah, it's a little it's, it's a little dicey. Yeah. 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 So crew. We and again, love our love our crew people. And um uh intervarsity be, being another one, mm-hmm. uh Youth for Christ, mm-hmm. um and I'm I'm sure I'm missing there there are a, a few others, but these these organizations begin to emerge. They're highly proclamation. You know, there's a high proclamation, highly evangelistic. Uh, man, big things happening as time progresses into you know time goes on. Local churches begin to do this thing of hiring youth pastors, so hiring staff and pro- and then the program that comes with it specific to youth ministry. And I'm undoubtedly skipping over a bunch of history, but for the sake of time. Um, so then you get the church growth movement in the 70s. You get this kind of specific programming. Youth pastors, we're paying them. Not well, but we're paying them. Uh, we're getting there. Yeah, and then and then also trying to be increasingly aware of like of youth culture and sure. and tapping in, which, which was even happening. I mean, with the emergence of youth culture in the 60s, like that was – already beginning to happen. And so a lot of like a lot of I've, and I've heard uh, one of the OGs of youth ministry chap Clark. I mean, I remember a few years ago when I was at down at national youth workers convention, you know, he stood in front of about 500 youth workers and he goes, he goes, I know what every single one of you are doing for youth ministry right now. He goes, I just look back to 1975 and then I go, that's the thing that you guys are doing in youth ministry right now. <laughs> So the mid seventies was a big was kind of like a, a that's really where kind of the big ideas of youth ministry kind of emerged and right wrong and different we've been stuck there in a lot of in a lot of ways in terms of what the expectation yep. is for youth ministry a lot because so many of the parents of students that we have now were formed in those sure. those cultural contexts and those youth ministry contexts. Um, so let me ask you this this question, guys. Is it fair? So we kind of given that that very brief flyover history. Um, a lot has changed. What do you guys see um, as the key differences called amongst our students with the realities that would have been in those you know, early called the called the seventies, the eighties, whatever those those realities, nineties, whatever those those decades, the youth ministry that came out of there. The differences, um, and Tyler, I know I'm, I don't want to make a young person joke here. Uh, Tyler's well into his mid twenties. I just want to go on. It's not like a, it's, but I was uh, born in the mid nineties. Correct. That's what you're getting. Ex- at. That's <laughs> what I'm getting at. So mm-hmm. we are, but you're you are aware of the history of youth ministry. So yeah. uh, like as as a student of it, I I get that, but. What are what are the shifts? What are the shifts? What are the the significant differences? And then, and then, what adjustments have you guys seen made, kind of across youth ministry, or maybe for you guys personally, that uh, that have some bearing on like where we need to where we need to be now and where we need to be going 
in the in the future and dustin i'll I'll point that to you first sure yeah i i would say culturally one of the biggest differences that i think we have experienced is the the sacredness of wednesday evening programming and or sunday morning programming for not just i mean students but really for families and adults all together i mean you look at wednesday nights now and the the demand on on kids is incredible i mean with the amount of of schoolwork that's that's being given out and the the length of practices for sports i mean in high school 15 years ago and yeah i mean we we were busy and we had stuff but like it was never that hard to make it on a Wednesday night. I mean, I'm talking to kids that are getting out of practice as, as late as 6.30 now. So it's like if, if programming starts at 6.30, what are you going to do there? And they're tired and they got homework and they need to do some other stuff. So it's like that's that's a bit of a, a cultural battle now. It's just the the scheduling demand of of these of these students is, is, is incredible. And so how do we make those adjustments and changes? I mean, do we – do we do it on a different night? Do we, do we maybe not stress, you know, if they're coming on Sunday mornings, is, is our Wednesday nights as big of a deal? Do we give them additional opportunities to connect? It's just these, these questions that we've been trying to kind of wrestle with. And again, every, every, every church is probably facing some of the, these same, these same struggles, but I know it can be different in different areas, kind of the, the demand that is placed on on these students that's one for sure that that, that i have felt and really any church that i've been a part of i was in part of one in virginia and then one in goshen for the last five years and now here it's yeah the demand on their scheduling is, is really it's intense and it's that's been one that's been tough to figure out yeah absolutely no i i totally totally agree with that i remember growing up in youth group and like our uh, our school system they didn't even program any kind of events no practices on wednesdays because they still valued that time but as like we've seen like school systems are or community as a whole has started to not necessarily devalue youth ministry but kind of like prioritized it less in a sense so i've definitely even seen that in my young years that transition that's being made so what so schedules busy full plates busy 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 that's a that's a keyword Talk to me about this little thing. I don't know. I think it's got legs. It might stick around called the internet. Um, what? Oh, boy. Yeah. I lived in a an early internet or pre-internet youth ministry context as a, as a young person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I say, like, I remember when the internet made noises – uh, when you had to get when you had to get on the dial tone. and okay, I'm not that young. I remember that too. Thank you. See, yeah. great. I'm glad we. It's a shared experience. It's a shared experience. Twenty six, not sixteen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what what adjustments, or do we need to make adjustments, or what is the reality of just the fact of um, the access that that students have to to a, a broader world, a really a global world, if they if they should so choose, how is that affecting how we're leading leading students? If you think about it, even when I was in high school, that was when the first iPhone came out. Now, you look at phones, and phones aren't phones anymore. They're just not. I mean, they're they're phones. They're they're TVs. Um. They're really just this incredible combination of technology that is 
it's given students and anybody such easy access to anything at any given moment. I mean, they can access anything and that's the incredible, the incredible challenge. Um, I would say it, the distraction is constant and it's created this instant culture that we live in. I mean, just everything having that access to anything. So really attention spans, I feel like are, are, are tough. I mean, so when you're talking about trying to figure out what is programming and reaching kids like you have got such a short amount of time to try to get and then hold their attention. And again, you don't want to try to create a program that's just based on getting students attention, right? But you have to fight that battle. You have to just, there's this balance of figuring out how are we going to, you know, take our ministry to them to use, you know, technology to our advantage for our programming and to be able to uh, not fight against it, but also know that technology is something that is fighting against our students' time and used as a distraction for sure. Yeah, I think definitely the word is balance because there's there's definitely good that comes with technology. You can experience like a net positive. The connectivity that you can have nowadays using that technology is unparalleled with what we were able to do, you know even 10, 15 years ago. Right. So the it's it's about how we're utilizing the technology and how we can best like point our students towards using that technology. And, um, you know, we could really end up, if we're not careful, in like a four, Fahrenheit 451 situation. Well, wow. a literature reference if, out if of this If you guy. want a good book that can show the importance of, of Scripture and how – Technology can lead us in a bad direction. Read that book. That is go. a spiritual book right there. There you go. Um, so I'm I'm always just kind of fascinated with this idea of we are, like Dustin, you said, like, you know, we're, we're trying to do the work of spiritual formation. We're also trying to do the work of staying aware of what is going on culturally. Do you have TikTok yet? Um, absolutely not. No. I I just don't see that going any anywhere good mm. for me personally. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? You're probably right. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. I <laughs> I was afraid you were gonna say like, oh, dude, you're really missing out. <laughs> no, probably yeah. not. Um, the work of the youth worker, the work of the youth pastor, though, it, it just it's so varied and so vast because you're there's an expectation or a need somehow to be aware of what is going on in the world. And the cultural iteration is so quick and is so fast. You know, we used to talk about generational differences now, but really a generation is not what it used to, is not what it used to be. And a student, you know, a student who is in today's reality is facing significantly different realities than a student that was in our ministries three years, you know, three years ago, like that, that's just, that's just the reality. So it's like, okay, so you're supposed to be counselor, Bible teacher, uh, tech guru, or, you know, some at least knowledge, knowledgeable about, about those things. Um, like how do you guys again and cuz I'm I'm just I'm asking and I don't know how like how you guys feel about it or what the tensions are because again I like I'm an executive pastor now I I last year I tapped out I said I said I'll lead youth workers and I'll coach youth workers but like I can't 
because it was a sense, I did have a sense of like, I'm having a hard time, you know, trying to lead my own family and do all those sort of things, but then also like to keep up, to be aware of what was going on. There's two signs of when you leave youth ministry and it's either you become an associate pastor (laughs) slash senior pastor, or you write a book about youth ministry. And when you see that come out, you're like, oh yeah, this guy's done. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to that book. I'm just thinking of all my colleagues that have written youth ministry right, books. Right. I'm like, oh, I wonder. Interesting. Just, yeah, I've. Well, I'll send this to them and mm-hmm. see and see what they see what they say. But the, I I get I get what you're saying. But yeah, there. I uh, how how do you guys keep up? Do you try to keep up with with everything? Uh, how have you waded through that or decided like, okay, these are the important things and the other stuff I'm gonna let I'm gonna let slide. I think you just said it. I think it's. It's knowing your strengths, knowing what you can do, knowing what you can accomplish in a week while <laughs> while keeping your own spiritual health in check. I mean, because that was a lesson I learned really early on my first couple of years was I, I was just running crazy. And I was trying to do anything and everything I could to reach as many kids as I could. And I thought that was how you did it. And then I, a couple of years in, I realized that I was – I was burning out pretty quick. <laughs> and so I I didn't even realize that that was a thing until it, it started to happen. But then I I began to under understand the importance of team and of of really having a solid base of of youth workers and volunteers around you that can really play the roles that you can't. And because if if we're being honest, there's Probably a couple things we can all do pretty well, but then there's going to be a couple things that we're like, you know what? I'm just I'm not that gifted sure. or experienced in that area, and so it's it is so beneficial to have that team around you that can that can go to the game when you can't go to the game. That can that can run tech when you know that you can't run it. <laughs> that can lead a specific group that that maybe you can't. And just to help fill in the gaps, I, I think, and so just to know that you can't do everything, and then to say no, because I think sometimes I overcommit and underdeliver, <laughs> And I think being able just to, to say no, to protect your time, time with your family. And I think the, the kids, I think they'll understand and they'll value that too. Um, but just being willing to put up some boundaries for yourself and to make sure that those are, those are squared away from the beginning. Otherwise you can get, you can get caught in a pretty, pretty tough spot. Yeah, no, I think that's, Amazing. Like the idea of being able to call out leaders, whether that's adults and even like students that you see, you're like, hey, I can can see you do this. It kind of gets back to the heart of what church is supposed to be, that body of believers that's working together towards the common goal of just pursuing Christ as as his bride. And so I think like that's for me kind of been the key of and I'm I'm very much a firstborn child. I'm going to do it myself like I've got this covered. Um, So asking for help is not easy, but when you're able to pull those people into your life and say, Hey, I, I see this in you and I know this is not where I'm strong at. So would you, would you please step in this with me? Um, I mean, even on our Wednesday nights, my, I co-lead our seventh and eighth grade boys with Josh McCoy. And sometimes I just, I turn off because I like listening to him and how good he is at leading those students. And it, it's just awesome. It's, it's cool seeing other people, in those leadership roles. Absolutely. And thank you, Josh. We love you. Um, okay. So here's with the, with the few minutes we have left here, guys. Um, 
I just, I just want to put this out there because this I think this is the part of the the struggle of in light of everything that is going on with our students and the things that they are faced with and the dynamics of families today and the 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 pace and the tension and all of that of trying to manage it all. Um, we, as youth workers, it, it, there, it can come down or we can experience this, either it's an overt or less overt expectation of being kind of the sole provider and distributor of religious goods and services to young people. And the dirty little secret is within within ministry circles, and this is, by the way, this is in adult ministry, this is Kidman, all that. The conversation more and more is going to the direction of we must help parents understand and implement a reality that lives in this biblical call for parents to be the primary disciple makers and and spiritual influences in the lives of their kiddos, students, young adults. Um because and this is not this is not this is just the practical reality. I mean at best I look at your guys' schedule, you know, as far as when you have kind of programmed FaceTime with students. And it's like, well, at best, you've got two and a half hours a week to make, like you said, to get their attention, to keep their attention, to make a to make a meaningful impact, to make a meaningful connection. Um, I mean, it really does feel like the clock is ticking there. Like you're just trying to get the most whatever, the most you can. And then you look at though, so that's that's your input. But then you look at the whole rest of the students' week and the hours that they are spending in, obviously in the classroom or on the athletic field or. Um, in the extracurricular, the club, the whatever it might be, which to be clear, those places are discipling them too, for for better or for worse, mm-hmm. wh- whatever the experience might be. Um. So, at the end of the day, I look at I, as a numbers game. I look at, at it at the end of the day and go, okay, apart from real partnerships with families and real investments in families, like we are, that is a losing battle. That is a losing equation. Mm-hmm. Apart from those meaningful, those meaningful relationships. And then, and then I look and I say, um, I don't know about you guys in my training, I never took a class and I feel like I should have. And then on, here's how to partner with parents. Here's how to work with parents and parents. We love you. We care about you. Some of you, some of you are hard to work with. We'll just, we'll just put it out there. Like in, in my in case anybody's wondering, I'm not even, I have nobody in mind specifically, but I just think over the last 17 years of my youth ministry experience, and it's like there have been some hard parents to work with. And I think part of the hard, the, the hard part of working with them is they have XYZ expectation, sure. and we have XYZ expectation, and there is a decent gap uh, in, between, in between the two about what we think should and shouldn't be happening and all that. How have you guys how have you guys navigated that? It, what what would you say? What would you say to parents about the importance of partnering, or what what your desire as a as a youth pastor is to uh, to make those connections? Uh, I think it's paramount. Like like you said, we only get maybe three hours a week between Wednesday night and Sunday morning to spend with your student, and I think 
I think part of this cultural shift is that we've seen a lot of students who are morally good, but when it comes to the dis- being disi- truly discipled, they're not learning biblical truth as much as they can. And it's not like we see that and we're like, oh, yes, that's not our problem. That's why we want to spend those three hours and as much time as we can with your student a week. But for me, at least, I would I just love the idea of being able to have a youth ministry that's not just focused on grades 6 to 12, but grades 6 to 12 and their families. That's, you know, we've we've talked with Angie and Kidman and, you know, how we can really just reach that side of like, how can we equip parents to be disciple makers? Because, I mean, just at the at the bare minimum, they're spending majority of their lives, I don't know how many hours a week, but with with you as their parents and like even though I've I've had kids and I'm not going to call them out though but kids that will walk into my youth group and be like yeah my parents know know nothing I know more than my parents and I'm just like yeah okay yeah, keep believing that yeah keep well, believing that so, yeah see how far it goes sure and you know what's intimidating too is not just that it's only a couple hours a week but let's think about it in a in a larger scale if if we can for a second they're by the time they're in third grade that's halfway to graduation. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy to think about. <laughs> and so by the time they get to high school, it's almost like the pressure sometimes that I feel as a as someone in youth ministry is that this is it. So if if we can't make it work, if we you know, if you can't help right my time. kid now, then it's then it's done. And yeah. I there's just pressure almost of, of trying to figure out and that's the other hard thing with these with these kids is they have some of the hardest decisions to make at 17 and 18 years old, like where they're going to go for college, what they're going to study. I mean, those are hard decisions to yeah. make. Yeah, so like I think psychologically, like you will go through more transitions between the ages of like six and 18 than you will in the rest of your life. Yeah. Helping. Yeah. And just helping them make come alongside them with some of those things is, is really difficult. But I think just helping parents understand that season of their life is so important. Some of those decisions that they do make will impact, I mean, who they're going to be for the rest of their life in some ways. And mm-hmm. so I think just helping parents understand that, helping parents understand that time is short. It goes by so fast. So to not just recognize that it's the responsibility of them to lead their family spiritually, but to to own that yep. and to to partner with us, not just with youth ministry, but to partner with Family ministry at, at their church as a whole, I think, is so important. We've, um, I mean, I really, I, I now more than ever, I believe in the power of youth ministry. But I also, I also think, and this will be a part of our future conversations. I think we have to dramatically rethink how we're how we're doing it. I mean, we are functionally. I mean, to think back, what you know, what Chap Clark said to a group of five hundred youth pastors a few years ago that that we have made no in, in our approach in so many places in our approach, we have made no significant changes mm-hmm. over the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. And, and if you just think about what has happened in 40 years, if you think about just all the dynamics and all the, and all the shift, uh, the different shifts that have occurred. Um, yeah, it is, it is, it is considerable. And so we, we just need to have more, I think we just had more collective conversations, more communal conversations around that. Um, because we don't want, I, I think at worst case scenario, we end up with adversarial relationships between, you know, youth pastors and parents in one way or another, or there's a, there's a weird tension there. I mean, no matter what, I think we can just say this, 
it is, I think it is a sweet thing when I, as a youth pastor, really feel like I know my, my students' parents well and have that connection. And that when a parent comes up to me on a Sunday or a Wednesday, that I have a good feeling about, I have a good feeling about that. That is a special thing for most of the youth pastors that I know. And I've worked with some, I've worked with pastors all over the country. That interaction is usually not good. And I, and again, I'm, I'm not, and I, what I hope we don't hear is that we're placing blame, you know, putting blame back on parents, parents, you feel a heavy load enough as it is. Like I never, ever, ever want to be like, it's all the parents fault. I never want that message to be the to be the the main message but what i i do want to say is any time that you don't work on a relationship and you don't invest in it intentionally there is not really a neutral setting there it's either forwards or backwards it is our relationship with god that is the case and it's also with each with each other and so um yeah i mean i would just say and this is true for and i love our families here at Walkie MC i love our families here and i just see such great things happening in our youth ministry um i I honestly believe that I've got uh, I've got some of the best youth pastors that uh, I was going to say that money can buy. That's not really uh, that's not really how I should say that because oh. uh, uh, <laughs> you you ministry budgets. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, really, like I we, I think we have just and I I mean this guy's like just a very competent. Uh, group of people that are, are working for our students. We have fantastic volunteers, people that really love students. Uh, I think we're in a really, really good place here locally as a church. And I know there are other places that are really, that are experiencing a lot of, a lot of healthy things. Um, but I think for the future, as we move forward, and as I look at what's on the horizon for us, um, as we're in a, an increasingly post-Christian reality, it will take all of us being on the same team together. Um locking arms, caring for students well. Um, so we just want to be an encouragement. We want to cheer parents on. We want to cheer our youth workers Absolutely. on. Yeah. Um, final thoughts you guys have. Final final words, words of encouragement or uh, uh, kind of closing thoughts that you have. Yeah, I'd just say that, man, it's worth it. You know, I, <laughs> I was – Started off in youth ministry, and then I, I, I moved over into a, an associate role for about four years, and I find myself now back leading high school. And there's just something so special and unique when a student when a student gets it, when there's just a, a click uh, in their mind and their heart um, about who who God is and and their relationship with Him. It, it's it's truly an amazing thing because I think. Students, their just the way they approach their faith can even be different than adults sometimes, and I I think there's there's not as many uh, barriers put up. They they just kind of live with a boldness and a freedom that's that really is contagious, and it's it's inspiring. And I'm just reminded so often when I talk to these students about their faith, that, wow, like this this isn't like a Oh, we're we're gonna try to build them up to an a, a spiritual, like mature adult. Like, I mean, that's the goal, sure, but there's some of these students that are incredibly spiritually mature. And it's uh it's just so worth it. And like Joel, as you were talking about at the beginning, a lot of times you don't see the fruits of your labor when you're in youth ministry, but 
when you can look back now and you can see some of those kids that you had that are now married and, and have kids of their own and they'll come back and say, hey, I just want you to know you you had such an impact on my life. You made such a difference and I'm, I'm so happy, dude, that you were my youth pastor. It's those conversations that make those those nights where you feel like nothing worked. <laughs> you feel like message. they don't care at all. Like you, you couldn't have even showed up and it probably would have been okay. Nobody played the game. Nobody cared, but it makes those conversations so worth it. And it, it, it is, it is hard. It is frustrating. It's exhausting, but man, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. You know, I have Nerf guns in my office. Yes, you do. Nothing in my office is not a ministry tool. Everything in my office is a ministry tool. That's how I should have put it. Yep. And I, I just think, like, just embrace the fact that your little Christians are also kids. Um, pick up the controller. Play play video games with them. Have fun with them. Laugh. On Sunday morning, come play Nine Square with us. Like, we would love to see you there. Because, like, those little things are steps into getting to just enjoy what like ministry towards these these young people look like and like thank you so much uh for letting us join in on that journey with your kids like we just appreciate it so much and just kind of going off what Dustin said just to be able to experience and just be with young people who are you know asking some of the toughest spiritual questions you can experience because they care um, is just such a blessing, and it's so so fun to walk through that with them, the highs and the lows, just to see God working in their lives. Amen and amen. Well, Tyler, Dustin, thanks for hanging out. We uh, we're gonna we're gonna do more of these. We're gonna this is sort of our groundwork. Uh, we're laying the groundwork for additional conversations we're gonna have on youth ministry specifically, and and because our at home podcast is really primarily focused at bringing bringing faith into everyday life in the home um that's a lot of what our conversations will be on is uh what is it what does it mean to uh bring youth ministry in the i think the value of youth ministry um into family life and so we're looking forward to those future conversations but thanks guys for joining me in what was a previously very very cold recording studio we've We've warmed it up now. I took off my coat. Finally. And that's, and please leave it. Let's just let's leave it there. Let's uh, <laughs> just leave it in here. Just, just Never stop. Again. Don't more of anything. Just don't take anything else off. That's what I, that's really what I'm saying. Amen. <laughs> awesome. Hey, uh, friends, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us again. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Grace and peace. At Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting wakimc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C.org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening. <laughs>